Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And I am, you know, I think Alicia did such a phenomenal job um, last week sharing on control. Yeah, give her a hand. She did a great job. And, uh, and really, after hearing that, even while she was preaching, I was like, you know, I really, while she was preaching, this is what a preacher does, is he's like, okay, this is what I, I'm, okay, I'm already, and I'm hearing the Lord speak to me as she's preaching, and I'm already writing down scriptures about where I feel like I need to go, and there's a reason why Alicia actually kind of started that sermon series, or I guess kind of initiated, because another, and next week, the, the thing that I really wanted to hit on, we really got to hit on these two topics to really make that make sense. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. But when we get there, you'll understand it a little bit more. Um, and so Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, uh, ni- verse 19 and 20 is what we're going to be reading. We're going to go through several scriptures this morning. I'm going to kind of break it down into a couple of different, every point's going to have a different, uh, a different passage of scripture. Um, but I, I believe it's going to be really important because here's the deal is I want to teach you something. I want to preach something to you, but I don't want to just, just do it from one perspective. I want to hit it from a lot of different angles to help convince you, you have control issues. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right. The reason you didn't like that is because you know, it's true. Right. Right. Yeah, I've got control issues. We've all got some control issues. And Galatians 2, 20, 19 and 20 really hits, really begins to open this up. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's under control. Have you ever said that? It's under control. Only to realize it was completely out of control. But saying it's under control made us feel better. Made us feel in control. Right? Saying it tends to make us believe it, right? And so here in in, uh, Galatians 2, verse 19, I want to read it. It says this, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, for the power of the cross, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that in this, God, that you allowed us to relinquish our life, surrender it to you, and allow our life to be led and guided by your spirit. And Father, I thank you, God, for the the amazing miracles that are waiting on the other side of us being led by you, God, that as that happens, God, that you be made more famous today than you were yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, you can say amen. So I am not taking away, I'm actually adding to Alicia's sermon last week. I'm kind of making it full circle and just tying all of these things together. So Galatians 2, 19 and 20, it, it really begins to hit on some different aspects of our lives. And you know, we all want things under control in our lives. We want our finances under control. We want our emotions under control. Or we want our wives' emotions under control anyway. Right? All the men? Yeah. All right. You know, we want our lives under control. We want our kids under control. Like, right? If you've ever had a kid at the restaurant and they're acting crazy, all you want is like, kids, be chill under control, right? You don't want your kids to look crazy so that you look like a bad parent. You want them to be under control, right? And, you know, we all do a pretty, we do pretty radical things in our lives, if you really look at it, to try to keep things under control. 
I mean, there are some radical things that we do. Like, we will, we will do a lot of different things to, you know, can, to try to keep our emotions under control until they can't, until they can't, you know, all of a sudden it's an outburst. I thought my emotions were under control. And then, boom, anger or, you know, whatever it may be. All the men know that emotion, right? Anger. Like, that's our number one anger. I mean, that's one of our number one emotions, right? And it's, it's amazing what radical things we do to try to keep ourselves under control. And the reality is, is none of those things ever seem to work. Right? We always find ourselves trying to do whatever we can to get under control in our lives. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do this. And then what do you do? The next day, you're like, I did it. I'm not going to do this, and I do it. And it's like, it doesn't matter what you do, and here's the point of it, is that it doesn't matter what you try to keep under control without Jesus, you're never going to do it. And this whole scripture really begins to create our theology around it, because it says this, he says, for when I tried to keep the law, when I tried to keep things under control, it actually hurt me. That's what he's implying here. And then he goes on, and he says this, so I died to the law. I kept, I stopped trying to be under control. If we will stop trying to be under control, we would probably find ourselves in control. If we would, find, if we, if we would allow ourselves to be under the, the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we would probably find our emotions able to be able to be respondable. You know, I mean, be able to respond well. We would probably be able to have our, our, you know, our ability to, to, to communicate and keep our kids under control to some regard. Because it's not us, it's the Spirit doing it. And then he goes on, here's, here's the big point, here's the big picture of this. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Your life and my life, when we said yes to Jesus, it, has, it was crucified with him. So it was on the cross with him. The problem is, is a lot of times we go back and pull it back off the cross. Right to keep ourselves under control. We try to control the outcome. And this is where it gets really salty. It is no longer I who live... But Christ lives in me. This is the key text as to how you're going to live under control as you give up your life. I mean, that is not going to fill the church. That is not going to make me go viral unless it's like, I can't believe what this guy said. Like, you giving up your life is actually what is going to allow you to control your life. How many of you have tried it for years to control your life to no avail? You have not accomplished it yet. Guess what? You will not accomplish it outside of your life being surrendered to Jesus. Right? Like you are trying to control your husband, your wife, your work, your, your emotions, your kids, your relationships, your finances, your car. I mean, you can't even control the air in your tires, right? Like we really don't have any control in our lives. It, it, like Alicia said last week, it's an illusion. Us having control and being under control is always temporary until something pushes us out of control. We are always thinking, oh, I got this under control. Well, I'm good. I'm, my, me and my marriage are great. Until the next issue happens, and then guess what? You're out of control again, right? And, and I want to I I hit something on this because I think that this first point that Paul is really helping us realize is that it's a key component to the, the things that Jesus really wants to do in our lives. If we don't get this right, we will never get our lives right. Okay, you got to hear me. If you don't get this part right, it doesn't matter how much you try to get things wrangled and under control and put ratchet straps on and be like, okay, this is good. We're good. 
I remember, me and Alicia, this is totally off the subject, but I remember thinking I was moving Alicia back from Oklahoma City to Arkansas when I was marrying her. We had loaded up all of this stuff, and I was like, I had a mattress on the very top, and I had that sucker ratchet strapped. I was like, I got everything under control. And I did have everything under control until the ratchet strap decided to fall off, and there goes the mattress going down the interstate at 70 miles an hour. You talk about terrifying I mean, semis are coming. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to jail. I'm going to kill a motorcyclist. And, and right, like, I mean, it's like, how, how hard can you ratchet strap your life to keep it under control? This is what we do. Right? Like, this is what we do. If I can get enough money in my account, if I can have enough therapy sessions, if I can do this, I can keep my life under control. The reality is, is no, you can't, and it's biblical. If you don't give your life over, you're always going to be under the perception of you're in control, finding out that when you write when you least expect it, all of a sudden the mattress flies off the trailer. And Jesus is wanting us to, to finally get to a place where we're not trying to control our lives. We're not trying to control the outcomes of our lives, because really all this control is, is really trying to determine the outcome, to have a predetermined outcome. That's what we want. We want to be able to be predictable. We want certainty, because outside of certainty, that requires faith, and we don't want to have to live in faith, right? So here, here's this first point that I want you to write down and, and think about this week, is that you will control what you're convinced you own. When you are convinced that your life is yours, you will control it. You will tell God how much you will tithe. You will tell God how much you will serve Jesus. You will tell God how much, this is my business, this is my thing, this is mine. And until you actually give your life over to God, you will try to own it. If you are convinced that it's your life, you will never give it over to him. Right? And so we live our lives saying, God, I love you, but yet trying to control our lives. And Paul here says, look, your life is no longer your own. When you said yes to Jesus, your life and my life is no longer ours. We don't get to control our lives. You know, you, you will always try to find a reason to control your life when you feel like it's not good in the hands of God. Right? You will always justify, well, God, I mean, you know, you, you, let, you let that one person I know down, did he? Because a lot of times we're living off of somebody else's perception or revelation of what happened to them instead of realizing, did they really submit to Jesus? Right? And we control our lives based on somebody else's misfortune. And so controlling our lives is really, it's a false reality that we can, can, that we can control an outcome. If I can control this, I can, I can determine the outcome. Have you ever let, went on a vacation... You're like, oh, I know the way it is. Um, this is the way it goes. And you're convinced that the way you're going is where you're going. And you end up, in half, you end up having to get directions from a five-year-old. You're like, I got to stop and get this. Is, okay, I'll take. Like, we so can think that we're under control. And then we end up getting directions from somebody, a, a, a 10-year-old or 12-year-old. Yeah, if you go down here, you're like, I thought I was under control. But yeah, I just had to have a 12-year-old give me directions. Like, our lives are not under control at the level we really, really need them. And this is going to be a crucial point to next week, because if we don't get our lives under check and give them over to Jesus, then, then really it's going to be a huge hindrance in your growth, your development. It's in your maturity growth. Like, you're not, like, I think we need to be careful of being Christians that have been resaved every year and we're one-year-old Christians. But when you begin to learn and relinquish control, you begin to grow in areas that you never thought you could grow in. Because you're relinquishing a new area in your life that you had had under control. 
I'm going to trust God in my finances. I'm going to trust God in my emotions. I'm going to trust God in relationships. I'm going to trust God with my spiritual journey. And as you begin to do that, guess what happens? You grow in the area you release. You grow in the areas that you relinquish over to God. You see, the more we take ownership of our lives, right, which we're, that's what we tend to do, the less effective we become in kingdom purposes. Our lives become less purposeful the more that we try to control our lives. How many of you have ever woken up in the morning and you just, out of your own desire, said, I'm going to go reach people for the gospel? In your own will. No, in your own strength, you said, what is social media saying? What's news saying? What's this saying? What's this doing? It's everything to feed you, Right? That's why when we, when, we, when we don't, when we release ownership, this is not my life, it's his. I'm going to pursue the things that I want Jesus to have me pursue. You begin to actually begin to pursue kingdom things in your life. Here's the thing. When's the last time that you really thought about the things that you were pursuing were things that God asked you to pursue? Or were they self-induced? Were they self-inspired? I got a revelation. I control my own life and my own destiny. I'm going to go do what I want to do, right? Like, are all of us every day, let me just say this. Every day you wake up, you have to tell your body, you're dead. I'm, I'm alive in Christ. Because every morning, your flesh comes alive. It's like, hey, what are we doing this morning? Right? Every morning, your life, you, it is resurrected. And you have to crucify it. I'll get there in a minute. That's biblical. I'll show you in a minute. Right? Like every morning you have to wake up. You, you coming to church today, Monday morning, your flesh is waiting to feed you. It's, it's waiting to, to fuel and guide your life. It wants to. It wants to. But this is where you read this. And he said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, what we, what we choose to hold on to daily, we become responsible to steward. Some of us are holding on to things in our lives. We're controlling things. And now we're overwhelmed in our lives because we won't relinquish it to God. So now we're trying to steward our kids and we're trying to steward our emotions. We're trying to steward our spiritual journey. And we're trying to steward, you know, we're trying to steward this relationship and this career and this. And it's all in the hands of you. And we wonder why are things falling apart? Because everything you hold on to, you're required to steward. Everything that I don't give over to God, am I giving over my anxiety? Am I giving over my, my, my kids? Am I giving over my emotions? Am I giving over my relationship to this needing to be healed? Right? And, and I know that there's a, a broad thing of different things that we can cling to. And as men, I would say where this is where we fall really privy to is control. Because we are, are pride people. It's just the way that God created us like that. Like we need it. There is an ounce. There is a certain type of pride that God put in us as men. But when pride becomes this, this relinquishing of ourselves and controlling our own lives, we're in danger as men. We have to be really careful to lead our families from a place of, I'm going to let you see what Jesus can do through us. Instead of, no, I'm taking, I'm taking the reins of my family. This is what I'm going to do. Right? Any guy out there? Right? Like this is what we can do. We can fall privy to this. Instead of saying, okay, I'm going to teach my family what it looks like for a man to be submitted to God. Right? We all know that scripture when it comes to marriage. Submit. Right? We all know that. We've used it out of context. It's probably one of the most out, under, uh, misused scriptures ever. But we know it. People that don't go to church know that. Submit to me, girl. That's what the Bible says. Right? You know, we, we have to, that's the problem. So when we don't relinquish things, we have to steward it in our own strength. 
right? We, we have to, we have to, 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 to whatever that may be, whatever we're trying to hold on to, it's like if I was to, to have you hold something and throw some dumbbells in your arms, you could only hold them for so long. Yet we assume that all the things in life we can hold. We can control those. We can determine the outcome. And it's like, you're carrying way too much. I mean, if there's anything that I try to help our staff understand is, look, there are only things, there are only certain things that you can carry and everything else you need to let go of. Like your responsibility isn't 18 different things. And an unhealthy, an unhealthy person is trying to control everything in their lives, ultimately having control of nothing. Right? We, we have so much thing, so many things that we want to control, but we end up not controlling anything. There's this scripture that I was thinking about as I was studying this this week. Actually, it was yesterday morning. I was reading, or last night I was reading through the Bible, and I was like, man, this, this scripture was impressed in my heart, and I wrote it down in my notes. I wasn't going to share it originally. But in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, it says this. And he goes through different things. He's like all these different things that are happening in his life. And, and, and then he ends with this in verse 14. He says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Imagine if we could live from a place of that statement. Either way, whether life is up or life is down, life is bad, life is good, life is crazy, life is, life is peaceful. Either way, Christ's love controls me. Because here's the reality. If Christ's love controls you, he can get you through the worst and the best, the best way. If Christ's love controls us, that means when somebody gets in our face, we can respond with the right response. When the economy crashes and does whatever, we can respond because love controls us, not the stock market. When, when, when a relationship begins to do something different, guess what? If love controls us, we can respond in the right way. When our kids are having craziness and we know, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Christ's love controls me to be able to not do what I want to do. Right? All the parents said amen. We know what we want to do. We would all be in prison at some point in our lives if we could do what we wanted to do. Correct? All you saved parents, you need to just start your own parenting class if that's not the truth, okay? But the reality is, is right, let, either way, either life is good or bad, up or down, unpredictable, predictable, let love, let Christ's love control me. I'm under control because God's love controls me. There are going to be days where love, God's love doesn't control us. And it's in those moments. Here's the thing. I think that we hear sermons like, okay, this is it. This is the antidote. This plus this equals this. No, what you're going to find out is in moments when you realize that this is the, this is how it's supposed to be, that God's love is supposed to control me when it's not controlling me. It gives an opportunity for me to evaluate why didn't Christ's love control me in that situation? It was because I was trying to control it. I didn't relinquish it. I didn't give it to him. So therefore, I was trying to control my life, right? And many of us, that's what I want to do is I don't want you to feel condemned in those moments. What I want you to do is whenever you do find yourself under, like out of control and you're not really submitted to God in those things and love isn't leading you and controlling you, not to freak out, but to be like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to evaluate my life. I'm going to see what's going on. Why did I try to control this? Because... Most of us, the reason we control is because we fear. 
every, every ounce of control is all boiled down to fear. Fear of an outcome, fear of a result, fear of failure. It's all fear-induced. Anytime that I try to control my life, it is 100% fear. That's not what God created us. We're not fear beings. God created us to be faith people. And faith requires you to be under submission to give yourself to Jesus. So in 9, um, in, in Luke 9, there's a couple of these different passages. There's, they, they kind of reiterate themselves in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But the way that Luke says it, I believe, is the most biblical way to respond to it. I think the other guys just kind of hit the points and hit it. But Luke was like, I'm a doctor, I'm real detailed, this is how I'm going to do it. And he lays it out, and this is what he says in Luke 9, verse 23 and 24. He says this, this is Jesus talking, and this is what Jesus, maybe he just heard Jesus better. That's maybe what it was. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, is that you and me? If any of us want to be a follower of Jesus, we need to perk our ears up and be like, okay, what is, the, what is required of us? Right, because we all want to be followers, that's why you're here. You're here this morning because I want to be a more intentional follower of Jesus. I want to become more aware of God's spirit. I want to be controlled by his love. I want to be a follower. So it says, if any of you wants to be, notice that he said, I love this. He says, if you. He always gives us the option. If you want to, this is your requirement. He doesn't make you. He says, if you want to. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. I get to see the crowd, like half of them are out. They're like, deuces. Love you, Jesus. Good idea. I'm out. Right? If any of you wants to be my follower, you ask to turn from your selfish ways. Anybody got any selfish ways in here? Yeah. Go look at your Amazon account. You're selfish. Who, who were you buying for? You were buying for you. <laughs> right? At least I was anyway. Okay. It says this, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, here it is, daily. He didn't say this was a one-time event, because he knew the reality of your flesh, that every morning your flesh wakes up, ah, what are we doing today? You're going on the cross, because you don't want to submit to Jesus, you want to be under control, you want to try to lead my life, you want to try to do what is counter God, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? That's what the Bible says. So what do you do? You take the flesh and you nail it to the cross. You have to crucify it. Didn't think I'd get a great response for that. Right? He says if you, now here's the thing though. Here's what he's trying to let us know. I love that Jesus says things, but then he says, hey, this is the benefits. This is the benefits and this is the consequences. And I love that Jesus always does that. He always lets us have the benefit and the consequence. And he says this, if you try to hang on to your life, if you try to control your life, you lose it. Many of us are losing our lives on this earth. We're losing the power and the influence, the anointing, the gifts and the purpose and the destiny simply because we're trying to control our lives. We're trying to determine the outcome. We're trying to, we're trying to dictate what is going to happen in our lives. If I can keep this tight and ratchet strapped down, I've got this figured out. All to find out that that ratchet strap breaks. Right? She says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But, 
If you give your life over for my sake, you'll be saved. That there is power in us releasing our lives over to the hands of Christ. That in us relinquishing our lives to him is actually where we find actual life. And so let me just say this, that the second point is going to be huge because we all have these in our lives. Every, every week there is something that we have to work out. And that is this, is that selfishness convinces you to stay in control of your life. Has anybody ever had selfishness tell them to crucify their lives? No, selfishness is always convincing us we are in control. I mean, it is our biggest cheerleader. It is our biggest fan. Selfishness wakes up in the morning like, whoa, you got it, buddy. You control your life. You do what you feel like doing, boo-boo. And that's what selfishness does, right? Selfishness convinces you that you're in control. You're the best person for the job. Selfishness fuels control. That's why Jesus said at the very beginning, he says, turn from your selfish ways because you will never in your selfish ways give up your life. You will always in your selfish ways figure ways easier to serve Jesus. Well, they have online now. I can just do that. Well, I can, you know, I can do this and I can do this. And we always try to figure out ways. Well, I don't really need to go share the gospel. I can send an email. Right? Like there's always, selfishness will always create ways of escape. It'll always create ways for you to not have to give over to Jesus what you should be giving over. See, you lose your life trying to keep it. Think about right now, what are you trying to hold on to? But here's the bigger question. What are you losing to hold on to it? What are you losing by trying to hold on to your finances, by trying to hold on to your marriage, by trying to hold on to it, your, your relationship and saying, okay, this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to bitterness because they deserve it. How's that doing for you? See, when you try to hold on to it, you're really just losing the battle. Funny story, last week, Alicia and I, we, her, her, her dad and, and stepmom got her, Jaylee, a birthday gift. It was a drone. She got it on Sunday, or yeah, Sunday, we opened it up, started playing with it on Monday morning. I was like, she was like, it's really nice. I was like 75 degrees. Like, she's like, let's go outside with it. I was like, awesome. And uh, the story gets really good. And uh, so I'm out there trying to show her, because I mean, I haven't really flown this one yet. I'm still trying to figure out how it works. And, you know, Jay's got a little bit of an intense, you know, she's a little intense. I don't know where she gets it from, but she is a tad intense sometimes, and so I get it up in the air and it's starting to flow. Like you has this thing and it's like a self-governor. Once you get it going, it goes zzz and it raises itself and it's zzz. And so I'm like, like trying to figure out what all it does. Well, keep in mind, it's about 20 mile an hour winds. And this drone's about like this. It's not the big drones. Like that can really handle that. I didn't know this at the time. And I thought, I'm in control. I have the controller. <laughs> right? Just like all of you that just laughed. You think you're in control because you have the controller of your life. And you're like, ah, and it's going, and it raises up, and I'm like driving, and all of a sudden it's going a lot faster than I'm actually making it, and I look, Jay's like, dad, she has this thing, we actually talked to her yesterday about it, she's like, dad, I'm like, okay, if you say dad like that again, I'm going to jail, okay, that's what I'm telling you, all right, or your mom is, I'll talk her into it, (laughs) one or the other. And so all of a sudden, I look down to her, because she goes, Dad! 
And I'm like, what are you doing? I look back up and the drone is in the tree line. We have trees, woods out there. And all of a sudden it's black. And all of a sudden the drone is nowhere to be found. It literally vanishes into thin air. It's like the the Bermuda Triangle out there. Like, yep, okay, we'll find it, baby girl. It's no big deal. This is her birthday, her actual birthday. Her birthday gift is in the air and it is gone. And I'm like, oh yeah, we'll find it, sweetie. And she's like, I literally, we're out there in this field walking and I hear, <sighs> behind me, she's like, just walking, like, moping, <sighs> my drone. I'm like, way to win the dad award. Point being, I never found the drone. Seriously. It is out in the woods somewhere. And uh, ended up having to buy her another one. That day, on Amazon, and it was there by Wednesday. And I say all of that to say that a lot of us think that we're in control and we're really not. We think our lives are in control only to ultimately lose our control. Ultimately, to really lose our lives simply because we think we have the remote to our lives. And really, the whole point is, is that the, if, this, if this remote would have been in the hands of the one who created that drone, it would have never gotten lost. But it was in Brian's hands. <laughs> and uh, I'm not a drone flyer, apparently. And uh, it got lost. But had it been in the creator's hands, I think it would have had a much more better chance of surviving. And you're, you know, I want to ask you, what could you give back over to Jesus? What are you trying to control right now in your life? Maybe you showed up today, like, if I could just show up to church, I could maybe make God to do something in my life. Maybe it's not the fact that you showed up, but it's the fact that you showed up to give your life to Jesus, to give your life back over to him, to let him have possession of your heart and your life. That is is what it's all about. And that is a learned thing. Me preaching your sermon today is not going to be like, whoa, I'm giving my life up. Because tomorrow the flesh is going to wake up and you're going to have to daily crucify it. You're going to have to crucify the things that try to rise up in your life and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live today. He says, you have to do this daily. I love what C.S. Lewis says. Die before you die, there is no chance after. Die before you die, there is no chance after. In other words, what he's saying is, is that you need to die to your flesh now, die to your life now, surrender to Jesus, because after you die, you don't get to do it. And my challenge for us is this week, die in an area in your life that needs to die, because there's not going to maybe be a chance for that after. Give your life over. Surrender your life over. Let, let control go. You're not under control like you think you are anyway. I know that maybe you've got a track record of control and things have worked out, but there's going to come a point where your life exposes itself and you don't have the control you thought you did. I think that was what COVID really did for a lot of people. They realized their lives were under control until a pandemic hit and they realized, oh my gosh, all it took was this to take my life into a tailspin. I thought my marriage was great. I thought my kids were great. I thought I could live with them and that would be great. Now I'm having to right? Like, like we think about everything all the time. Like we are, we are under control until something provokes us to have to realize and deal with it. 
And I think that that's the, the art of us really getting out of control or getting under control is, get it, buddy, relinquish our lives. Let's be honest. Let's, everybody heard it. I mean, way to interrupt the service, sir. But, but here's the deal. is like relinquishing our lives is required daily, not annually. It's not every, every January 1st, what can I give up today, Lord? How about you do it daily, and then when you get to January, you probably won't have to do anything because you've been doing it. But come January, in two more months, y'all are like, whoa, I'm going to give up food. No, you're not. I'm going to start exercising. No, you're not. I'm going to get emotionally healthy. No, you're not. Because until you can put yourself under control, you're not doing a dang thing. Because it's not about, it's not about annually. It's not about yearly. It's about daily. It's about what can I give up today? Even if it's something like, I'm going to remind myself, I'm not going to be selfish in this area. When this happens, I'm giving, I'm going to give it, I don't care what the cost is. I'm going to, I'm going to release it. I'm going to give it up. You know, the only life we have as believers is really the life we put in the hands of God. The life, any, any ounce of who you are that's outside of Jesus is not, it's not your life. You really have no control at all except for what's in the hands of God. Whatever we have given to Jesus and said, you can possess this, is the only areas of our lives that are in control. And that's scary, right? Because the more convinced we become that we are better crucified, the less, really, the less we have to control. The more that we realize, okay, this is the best thing, is this needs to be crucified, the less we have to control. Right? Think about if all the things in your life, if you were able to crucify these things over, you have a lot less to control. Have you ever seen a family with 12 kids and a, and a family with one kid? Huge difference. Right? <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying. You're working there. You're almost there. What, two more kids? You'll be there. Right? Like, like that's a huge difference in what you can control. And so many of us are trying to control, like, I mean, oh my gosh, I got all these things running around. It's like, you, you need to give those to Jesus. And when you give them to him, all this stuff begins to work out. You know, this is why we have to die daily. is because every day there are things that are new, that are waking up and, and, and wanting to live again. You're like, man, I thought that thing was dead five years ago. And guess what happens? When that thing comes back up, it's important and crucial to crucify it. So that my life can be under God's control. And it's such, I mean, I think, I feel like Alicia said it best. I don't know if she really got it from her or if something she read something. But really, <laughs> control really is an illusion. It really is. Did you read it somewhere? Dang it, I knew it. <laughs> Lame. I'm kidding. I'm having fun today. I'm under, I'm under the spear right now. I just want you to know this. That everything that I am saying is straight from the spirit of God. Okay? Galatians 5. We're going to just have to rebroadcast this one. It's too good. Galatians 5, 24 through 25 says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Those that are his have willingly taken, notice that it doesn't say Jesus' responsibilities to do that. 
It says our responsibility. If, if we are under Christ, it says that we take our desires and our passions, implying that oftentimes the things that control us are our desires and our passions. Right? James 1 talks about how that it is, it is our desires that drag us away into sin. Right? So, therefore, it is oftentimes the desires and the passions of our lives that we're like, I got this. I want this so bad that I'm going to, instead of taking the passions and desires and crucifying them, but notice that Jesus did, he put the cross up and he, let it, he left it up for you to crucify. How many of y'all woke up this morning being like, whoa, I can't wait to crucify something? No one. If you did, God bless you. Right? But the reality is, is that takes a lot of intentionality. Be like, man, why am I, why am this, why is this desire trying to lead me? Why is this passion trying to, to pull me away? And what you have to do is to get yourself under control, you have to nail those things to the cross of Christ. Whether it's an addiction, whether it's a, a hobby that's taken you and it's become an addiction, whatever it may be, that in those moments that you're willing to crucify those things. And then it goes on, it says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading. Now, that's a huge factor in this, right? Because what we have to understand is that if you were under control, means if you were letting the Spirit lead you, that means you were allowing the Spirit to lead you. If the Spirit isn't leading your life, then guess what? Something else is. It's real easy to find out. Is the Spirit leading me? Is this Jesus? Am I responding out of this because of Jesus or because of the flesh? Again, does God, does Christ's love control you? 2 Corinthians 5. Does Christ's love control you? This third point is, my last point based on this scripture is this, is that you can control your life or you can crucify it. But reality is you can't do both. Either you will control your life or you will crucify it. And based on scripture, I don't see anywhere where Jesus leaves room for your life to live outside of him. Jesus paid a heavy price so that you would have the power and the grace and the mercy to gladly take those desires and passions and things that you were trying to control to the cross of Christ and nail them to it. There is grace waiting for you. Grace is the strength to do what you don't want to do. The desires and the passions that are sometimes so hard, God gives us grace to say, hey, I'm going to drag this thing to the cross. I'm going to nail it to the cross. This is what our ambition has to be, is what needs to go to the cross today? My attitude, my relationships, my, my drive for success, what is it? What happens when the, when, when the control doesn't equal the result? What happens? We tend to become more controlling. Right? How many of you have ever become less controlling when something's out of control? No. You tend to be like, okay, I'm going to get you and you and you and you. I'm going to strap everything together. Right? Like that's what happens when we don't get the result we want. So what happens is this, is the less that we submit and surrender our lives to God, the more that we try to control in our lives. It was just our marriage. Now it's our marriage, our kids, our finances, and our job. 
It was just this, and now it's this, this, and this, and this. Because when you fill out a control, if you can describe everything, you feel like you're in control. It's like I had this remote. And as I watched the drone disappear into thin air, I thought I was in control. But the more that I tried to control it, the more it went into vanishing thin air. I'm like, okay, well. You know, and that's what happens when us when we try to control our lives. You know, what we, what Jesus is really, because here's what he says. Right before, or right, right before all this, he says this. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And he goes through all these things. These are the rewards of a man and woman to sacrifice and surrender to Jesus. That while you don't think you have love, give up what you have and watch him give you love. While you don't think you have self-control, give up what you have and let him give you self-control. While you don't think you have kindness, give up selfishness or whatever it may be and let God give you kindness. It's waiting to to be able to, to give you what you need. Here's the reality is that faith induces surrender. Faith, if we have faith in God, it will, it will induce surrender. If we have fear, if we have, uh, if we have uh, fear, it induces control. So faith will induce a different level of result. It says, okay, God, I have faith in you, so I'm going to surrender control. If we don't have faith in God in certain areas, the reason we don't have faith in him, I mean, the reason we have control is because we don't have faith in him. And we got to take that, we got we to gotta own up to that. We've got to own up to the areas in our lives that we are trying to control and say, you know what, God, I don't really trust you in this area. And that's why I'm trying to control it. Right? Like there are certain things that, like Jaylee, if I don't trust that she can do something, I don't let her do it. I try to control it. Right? Like if she's out driving our car, she drives our car on dirt roads and just a small little section, she's fine. But I have to make sure that she understands I'm in ultimate control and God lets you do it he, he doesn't he's not a taskmaster saying this is what you're going to do this is, you're going to do it no he gives us the liberties to trust him and in that he guides us but this has to be the huge aspect of our lives if we're really going to get where Jesus is wanting us to get because here's the deal is that control what it does is, is the Holy Spirit I don't really need you Thanks for salvation, but I got this life. Jesus didn't give up his life just for you to have salvation. He gave up his life so that he could lead and guide your life into like Psalms 23, where he leads you through all of these different seasons in your life. But if you try to control the outcome, you end up at the valley when you were not supposed to be there. Amen? Yes, and stand as I close this morning. You know, one of the things that I've evaluated in my own life is this, is that the more we try to control our lives, the repercussion is that, is that becomes the more that we try to control other people's lives. Uh, when we can't, right, what, that's what makes us feel good. If we can't control our lives, I'll control you. That'll make me feel like I've got everything under control. And I just want to challenge you this week to, to evaluate your life and say, what am I trying to control that I'm not supposed to be controlling? 
And this will all make sense next week. That's why you have to come back. Is, is next week is going to, it's going to be the best news that's directly tied to this. So what is it this, this week? What is it that God is asking you, hey, I want you to start giving this up daily. I want you to start surrendering and sacrificing this over to me, nailing those passions and those desires to the cross. I'm going to go deeper in my faith. I'm going to go become more emotionally healthy by giving my life to you, Lord. I'm going to, my marriage is going to begin to thrive. My kids are going to, to, to find a deeper love for you. All because we've relinquished control. And I know that for all of us control freaks, the, the most terrifying thing is not feeling like you're in control. But to, to be in control, you have to feel like you're out of control. And I just want to challenge you this week that you would take this sermon and you would take some things that maybe the Lord spoke to you and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to begin to evaluate this. And as I begin to do that, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail things to the cross. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up my selfish ways. God, I'm, it is no longer, I don't own my life, it's yours. So Father, help me relinquish ownership back to you. Come on, if that's anybody in the room this morning, if you would just slip your hand up real quick. You said, that's me. I need to relinquish control. I've been controlling my life. I've been determining what I will give you and what I won't give you, God. So Father, I thank you, God, for the hands that are raised in this moment right now, God, that there are things that, God, that are on their heart and on their mind. Father, I thank you right now, God, that the spirit of condemnation has no power in here. God, I thank you, God, that, Lord, that while this isn't a moment of condemnation, this is a moment of recognizing, God, what we want to give back over to you, Lord. And so, Lord, help them. God, give them grace and give them strength, God, to be able to walk that out, Father. Give them wisdom. Not wisdom in their own ability, but, God, give them wisdom of heaven, Lord, so that they know how to relinquish. Give them strength. Give them grace and mercy, God, to be able to do what you've called them to do. Father, we thank you, God, that we are under your control. God, help us be people that are led by your spirit and not our flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, maybe you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I need to relinquish full control. Maybe you prayed the prayer before and you've, you've gotten back to where you're just grabbing a hold of control and you've moved away from your life with Jesus. And this morning you say, I want to recommit my life or I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. If that's you here in this room, I want to ask if you just slip your hand up real quick so I can know who you are. Sorry, I'm giving my life to Jesus for the first time or I'm recommitting my life to Jesus. I'm getting serious with him. I'm getting real with him. I'm going to serve him wholeheartedly. Let's pray this prayer. Father, we thank you for the cross. I repent of my sins and I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Reveal the destiny and the purpose you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen.